standard issue for all women. Hello, Jen here to tell you about this week's Sunday Chops, which is what's happening right now. I am tremendously excited because this is the fourth and final, not because it's the fourth and final, but this is the fourth and final episode of my sporty series running throughout May. And this week it's all about the Women's World Cup, which is starting on June the 7th. And we have got a freaking doozy of a squad, if you will, for you in this episode, featuring my sort of football spirit guide, Kate Borsay of the Offside Rule, Caroline Weir, Man City and Scotland forward, Nazia Ribi, filmmaker, director of, in fact, the new film Freedom Fields, which is about the attempts of women in Libya to form their own national football team, and former Arsenal and England defender Alex Scott, part of the BBC Women's World Cup team, and you can follow the World Cup on the BBC from June the 7th across TV, radio and online. And at the end of this podcast, I will be making a very special announcement. <gasps> Yes, I'm going to make you listen to the whole thing to get to the special announcement. Oh, it'll be worth it. Believe me. Please do enjoy this podcast and please do watch the World Cup. It's going to be excellent. So enjoy after this short message from Hannah Dunleavy. Hello, Hannah here. Just wanted to let you know that if you like what we do, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help, especially if you give us five stars. Did that sound threatening enough? Give us five stars. I'm joined by the very excellent Kate Borsay of the Offside Raw. Hello, Kate. Jen, it's lovely to see you again. It's lovely to see you again. And it's a really exciting time to be speaking to you as well, which I love. We're talking about the Women's World Cup which is the exciting time you speak of. It is, and we're all gearing up to it. It actually feels like, I'm not sure what your listeners think, but it feels like we're hearing more about this World Cup than we ever have done before or about women's football before because there's been some major sponsorship by Barclays, 10 million quid going into our top league here in England, the WSL. Brands like Nike, Gatorade, Lucasade, Boots, they're all, even Boots Mm. are jumping on board. And I think you have broadcasters investing and pledging to broadcast more of this World Cup. Every single game is on telly, for example, than ever before. So what you're seeing is an unprecedented interest. Is it every single game, not just the England and Scotland games? In some way, shape or form, I believe the BBC is showing every game. Wow, that's good. Yeah, which is great. And there'll obviously be radio to back that up. Mm. And I think I'll give you a bit of inside here. Bit of in, a bit of inside information. A really good friend of mine is the new women's sport editor at The Telegraph. <gasps> Anna. Anna Kessel, yeah. who is a f- tour de force, mm. big name, co-founder of Women in Football, ex-Guardian journalist, yeah. very, very respected. And I asked her, knowing that The Telegraph are doing more stuff um, around women's sport, I asked her how many journalists they were sending out. And she said six. Wow. Six full-time journalists from The Telegraph, including two men. Two very senior men, which is awesome, right? Because this is going to get great coverage. Yeah. Are you going to be out there? I'm not. Why not? Lindsay so is, who's my, one of my co-partners on the Offside Rule. She's out there working with FIFA. But I'm doing a nightly podcast from the UK okay. and doing that through 
Muddy News Media, who we're working with, who ran a very successful men's football podcast during the World Cup. And they did it all from the studio in London, just because it's a bit logistically easier. We've had a squad announcement very recently. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? Well, I was going to ask you the same thing, actually, because it's, it's interesting because I, I work in football and I'm surrounded by it. My, my only issue with it was that I didn't know all the celebrity fans. And I felt a bit like, maybe don't do it unless... Perhaps it's just my age, but I didn't know who Monkey was. I didn't know who one of the presenters was. There were various. Were they were they grime artists? Were they young hip street artists? Were they internet sensations? Were they were they YouTubers? Did, yeah. did they have a million followers on Instagram? I've no idea. Yeah. Um, so look, look, all good because it's only going to be positive, right? But for me, I was a little confused at times. There was quite a lot of variation, wasn't there? So you've got Prince William and then you've got, like, man from one extra. <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't know who yeah. you are, sorry. I don't know what the benchmark was. No. Because it was anything, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it was it, yeah. it was definitely wide-ranging and I hope that at least one person connected with one other person yeah. in that, yeah. Anyway, on that squad, what do we make of the squad? The squad's great. And that you've got, gosh, I think it's nine debutants at a World Cup, yeah. um, which is which is strong. So good, like good debutants, yeah. and, and also there are no huge surprises. So there's no like selecting Theo Walcott when he's only seventeen and a half and never played international football before. There, there, there's kind of none of that going on. And you've got characters like Frank Kirby, you know, four years on, who's matured into um, excellent players mm. and refined a lot of their skills. So no huge surprises. I was really upset for Izzy Christiansen. So she plays for Lyon. She's ex-Manchester City, and she's an awesome player. Um, and she's won the PFA Young Player of the Year. I think it was last year or the year before. And she's been injured, but I know that she's been at St George's Park, which is our national football base, um, working really. I literally moved herself in to get fit in time, and I'm really upset for her that she's not fit in time. But I guess um, that Phil Neville didn't didn't kind of want to take the risk with her. There are there are really reliable names in there, like. Lucy Bronze plays with a number two shirt. She's probably the best right back in, in the world. Um, Jordan Nobbs is injured, so, so, so she's not there. But you've got Steph Houghton there. You've got Karen Bardsley, um, who's a slightly mad goalkeeper who's actually American. But she's very entertaining and she's very good value. And she's a great keeper as well. So she's in there. I think you've got a couple of the younger players in there, like Kira Walsh, and players who've been performing at league level who have justified their places there. So no huge surprises. There is a good mix of experienced people like Jodie Taylor, Steph Horton, um, and a lot of the other guys there who were there at the last World Cup. You've got a good mix of them with all these kind of younger, newer players. I'm excited about Georgia Stanway. Yeah, the 20-year-old's really impressed for Manchester City. What I love about her most is that she wants to be a policeman when she retires from football. I think her career might kind of eclipse that, yeah. but I, I do like the idea of her, you know, looking at crime scene investigations and, and adding a bit of football into that. She's a great striker, actually, um, has done really well in the, in the WSL. She scored at Wembley in the Women's FA Cup final, um, and she's not afraid of the big occasion, so it'll be really interesting for Phil Neville to be able to use her as part of his tactics in that he's obviously got Tony Duggan out there, he's got Fran Kirby, Jodie Taylor as well, who's older and more experienced, but has had historical injury problems. So to, to sort of have an option like Georgia to play will be a really good one for him, and really exciting for us to see New, new emerging talent come through as well. One of the things that struck me about the squad list, because you don't really, it, I think it's an indication of how advanced our domestic league is. Yeah. How many of them play in clubs outside of England, outside of the WSL? There's a lot that play for Leon, which is obviously, I mean, Leon are kind of the ones, aren't they? We're recording this on the same day as the Champions League final, mm-hmm. which is being broadcast at exactly the same time well, I don't know if it's being broadcast but it's scheduled at exactly the same time as the FA Cup final so that was good 
well done guys good thinking (laughs) but yeah so a lot of them play outside the WSL and you don't get that so much with the men's team yeah totally and it's you've got marquee players like Lucy Bronze who plays for Lyon and Tony Duggan who plays for Barcelona of course those Mm, two teams meeting in that final tonight so that that will be interesting and other players like Rachel Daly who plays over in the US and what that means is that they have profile abroad but it also means that their game knowledge is incredible Mm. and they also know a lot about their opposition and when it comes to you know how do we try and beat the French national team how do we try and beat the USA national team both of whom are very strong favourites for the tournament it's going to help a lot so I love it when our when our players go abroad and I think for Lucy Bronze it's it's brought her game on massively and it's only a really good thing what's quite nice actually is that not a lot of our players rush to go abroad unless it's genuinely the right thing for them Mm. yeah so what's nice is that they don't rush off to go abroad yeah. um, because it's so rubbish here because it isn't because there's you know genuine prospects to develop here but when I think you've got players like Lucy Bronze who needs to take her career to the next stage and players like Tony Duggan who I think her profile suits an international stage yeah. and it suits a club like Barcelona who are also trying to increase their profile and create a real story over in Spain then that's great so I'll, I'll be really interested to see that maturity come through I suppose. Mm. We have got high hopes for this tournament because I am English I don't think we can win uh, <laughs> I think we could come second but I have to yeah, yeah I can't yeah. obviously Charlton Athletic won last night and they're going to the playoff finals and now I can never say anything about football ever again yeah. it's there's, there's too much emotional investment at the yeah. moment we may be in the final outraged of Dalston that's me why is the final not at the French National Stadium? I have no idea. I can only assume that there's a very important men's game going on. Um, no, I don't know that for it. For, and, and, and I just, and it, it literally could be like a turf issue or something. Mm. I don't know exactly why, because it's you've got not, there... There are games being played there, but not the final. I mean, perhaps... OK, so here, here is one argument for mm. you. Would it be better to, to play to a sellout crowd of 60,000 than to a two-thirds full stadium of 80,000. I hear you, but why aren't we filling it? Let's fill it. (laughs) And it sold out in 30 minutes, right? So evidence says now, hindsight says that we could have filled it easily. I have no idea why the final is not at the National Stadium. No idea at all. Uh, Look, it's it's a capacity of 59,000 in Lyon. So... That's not bad. No. It is more than in Canada. So I think the Canada final in Vancouver, if I remember rightly, was about 55,000 mm. max attendance. So it isn't going to break the attendance record. Yeah. Don't know. Sorry. Mm. Well, hmm. uh, <laughs> that's what I have to say about that. What I would like to know is, Kate, is football coming home? <laughs> um, if we get to the semifinals, then that's good. USA and France are favourites. Germany are up there but they've been a bit out of sync recently, so don't rely on them too much. And um, There's been loads of coach changes and a bit of upset within squads which would have affected people. And actually, the whole of the US women's team, I don't, don't know if you've heard about this, are basically suing US soccer, which is the National Federation, over the pay yeah. and over the benefits and the fact that they added millions of pounds of profits to US soccer's bottom line and the men didn't, and yet they're not 
receiving parity there um, in terms of pay and extras. So look, they will be wanting to prove a point, the USA, in terms of how the team's set out now compared to four years ago in Canada when they when they won. So they're the current reigning champions for the Women's World Cup. It's a different squad. You've got a lot of the old guard gone. So people like Carly Lloyd, who turned up and scored a hat-trick in that final against Japan. She's not playing anymore. Hope Solo, who is one of the, the most well-known goalkeepers in the whole world, she's not there. And so what you've got is kind of a half and half. You've got half a, a lot of experience and you've got half kind of new guns and the inexperience will affect the defence. So how you get USA is you try and chuck something different at them or you try and manipulate their perhaps slightly slightly weak defence. So that's the USA. I, I really fancy France for it and uh, for this and they're like the men's team. They're a team of superstars. Yeah. I mean they've got awesome, awesome players. Um, who play for that French side. Le Sommer, Wendy Renard, who's the captain, is just an amazing stalwart. And, and, and they've got some really gifted players there. But whether they can come together and do it as a nation, I don't know. And, you know, the men won the World Cup in France 98, didn't they? So perhaps there's something there. We've got a really good chance if we can hold our own. And if we meet teams like Germany, Japan, France and the USA, that's, that's when the real test is going to come. They don't have any winning pedigree, the yeah. French women's team. They, they, they're amazing players. They're probably technically, I mean, Germany's great at that as well, but technically the most gifted set of players, but it's about them cohesively playing. When we were out in Canada at the last World Cup, France and England were in the same group and they were all staying in the same hotel in this place called Moncton, which is like the Ipswich of Canada. I mean, God knows why, why, why were we there? It took a long time for us to find any fresh fruit and vegetables in that particular town. And everyone was going a bit mad after a couple of weeks, but they were cooped up in the same hotel together. So we'd go out for dinner, Lindsay and I, and we'd um, perhaps meet up with a couple of fellow journalists. We'd see some of their top players having a cigarette behind the back of the restaurant. This is the French national team. They'd be out having a quick cigarette. So there's just add a bit of that in, okay? Add a little bit of attitude stroke. We're good. We don't necessarily I need to stop smoking. <laughs> yeah, so there, there is a little bit of attitude in that French squad. But, you know, if, if you harness it in the right way, it could, be, it could be brilliant, right? Where can we find you and where can we find the offside rule? So any podcasting app, type in The Offside Rule and you'll find us. We're going to be working on our Women's World Cup show. The previews start on the 5th or 6th of June, I think, for that one. We've also got a big interview coming up with the England manager as well. So <gasps> hold your... We haven't actually recorded it yet. So if it doesn't happen, you know something's gone terribly wrong. But we have some great preview stuff. We've also spoken to quite a few of the World Cup players beforehand as well. And then every single night of the competition from June the 7th to July the 7th, you'll be able to hear us. Lovely. Kate, thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hello, Mickey here. Sorry to interrupt your listening pleasure, but I just thought, as you're having such pleasure listening, you might be up for helping us out in making more content that champions women. That's easy to do. You can just bob along to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash standard issue. And any spare bunch you might have found in your pocket down the back of the sofa, feel free to chuck it to us. Much obliged. I'm joined on the phone by Caroline Weir, Man City and Scotland International. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for joining us. Hi there. So you have just been announced for the Scotland squad in the Women's World Cup, which is coming up. Congratulations. That's awesome. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, obviously it's a very exciting time. Very honoured to be selected in the squad. And yeah, looking forward to what lies ahead in the next few weeks. So is this your first World Cup? Yeah, it's 
the whole team's first World Cup. So it's Scotland's first World Cup? Yeah. Okay, well that's excellent. So your first match is going to be against England. How do you feel about that? There'll obviously be a lot of familiar faces in that team. Yeah, it's obviously there's there's not really bigger games you can play as a Scottish player, I think. So yeah, it's, it's exciting and it's going to be a great occasion and obviously... Yeah, we know both teams know each other pretty well, and um, there's a lot of teammates in there. But uh, yeah, no, it'll be it'll be an exciting game. And the football pitches, you know, we take no prisoners. It's all's fair in love and football. And yeah, exactly. I think we'll kind of forget that we're teammates for ninety minutes, and then um, yeah, just focus on our own teams. And then uh, afterwards, obviously, it's it's different. But yeah, I don't think we'll think too much about the fact that we're you know city teammates. <laughs> of course, yeah. So going into it, how are you feeling about Scotland's chances more generally? Yeah, I think obviously um, it's going to be tough. I think we're in, we are in a tough group with some top teams, but I think the squad's in a good place. I think it's a really competitive squad, and Shelley's done a great job, you know, to create that. I think, yeah, we just take each game as it comes. But of course, we want to get the, the group. That's our kind of main aim at the moment, and and we'll see if that happens. But yeah, take each game as it comes, and and hopefully get something out of the group. I'm joined on the phone by Naziha Aribi, director, producer, all of the director, things. Director, producer, cinematographer, um, tea maker, um, lots of things, yeah. All of the things um. for the film <laughs> Freedom Fields, a film about the Libyan women's football team or the attempt to create a Libyan women's football team. First <laughs> of all, can you tell us a little bit about the film? Yeah, so it's kind of like, I suppose, a coming-of-age story within a conflict zone about a group of women who just simply want to play football, which sounds really simple, right? But um, they have loads of obstacles along the way. Um, they come up against loads of opposition. Um, but it's also this wonderful thing that bonds them and brings them together. And it's really kind of about sisterhood and that team spirit that I think you only get through like sport like this, like football. It's really, it's about you know, a group of people growing up and becoming accidental activists and trying to change their society. You are Libyan yourself, aren't you? You're of Libyan descent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, my dad is Libyan, my mum was British. So um, but I grew up in the UK and didn't go to Libya until 2010 and eventually moved there in 2011, which is when I came across these women. I think it's kind of interesting because obviously we're going into this World Cup now and, you know, it didn't work out the way these women obviously wanted it to work out in the film and I think it's quite interesting as we go into this like from a UK perspective we talk about football and the growth of women's football and we kind of you know I think rightly to be fair but um complain about you know the lack of parity between men and women but this kind of adds a whole new perspective well yeah I think I don't know everything's relative isn't it and I think just because um one area is you know, having a movement, um, it, that shouldn't, we shouldn't be complacent. We shouldn't accept things. People should keep pushing. And I think when you see women like this who are still pushing from a very grassroots level, I think that's inspiring and, and can actually help push forward when people see, you know, stories like this. Um, the movements that they are having, whether that's in the UK or America or Afghanistan or wherever, um, I think the fight is the same. It's just at different levels and different levels of progress. So changes that we're seeing in, in women's football and the recognition of it um, is amazing, but there's still so much more to do. And I think, you know, stories like this kind of highlight that, that we've got a long way to go um, 
and not just on the pitch, off the pitch. And what has happened to this team? Has there been any progress since the film was made? So I don't give any spoilers, but um, they end up leaving the national team because they kind of feel like they can do more not as a national team than they can as a national team that can yeah. play. So they, they leave the national team and they set up um, this awesome NGO where they use sport as a tool for social development, so working with young girls in schools, um, in orphanages, in refugee camps, and really using that power that they kind of discovered through sport to, to kind of help the next generation of young girls and, and help how they engage not just on the pitch but in society. So um, I think they think that they've actually won in a way. Like, you know, they may not be playing for their national team, which sucks, but um, they're doing something that they feel is kind of like maybe has a bigger impact right now. And that's what they're doing at the moment. We're trying actually to get some of them to come to the Women's World Cup. So I think it would be awesome for them to see, you know, all this kind of excitement around the women's game and from around the world and, and actually watch some live matches. So that will be, we hope that will all be able to happen um, and the war doesn't get in the way. Um, and you are showing this film in the UK? So yeah, we've got um, a pre-release tour at the moment where we're just going to different towns around the country and I'm doing Q&As um, in different areas. And then from the 31st of May, we'll go into collective cinemas across the country for a run. I'm really excited to, to kind of, especially just before the Women's World Cup, just to bring this to the UK audience. And, and share the stories because I think we always see the same images from places like Libya or Syria or wherever and I think it's really important to kind of show alternative narratives because so, it's not, you know, your usual kind of war film. It's about seeking out small pleasures and joy when it feels like shit's falling apart but it's also about team and team spirit and I think, uh, I don't know, in this current situation in the world we need a bit more of that. Where can people listening to the podcast find out more about where they can go and see Freedom Fields or follow your progress and find out more about what's been going on? We're on the usual socials. We're on Instagram as Prefields Film. And we're also on Twitter with that. We have Facebook. Don't really use it. I don't know if anyone does anymore. <laughs> and then also we've got a website where there's a like a map where you can see all the different screenings around the UK and you can go and find one near you and then go to it. And we've got actually a thing for like football clubs, um, women's groups, whatever. If you kind of bring a group of pals on a community, you get like, you know, free tickets. Excellent. <laughs> I've seen it. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's a really, really lovely film. And so, yeah, I recommend it. Go and see it. Nazia, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's been it's lovely. And I'm sorry it's a bit loud here. That's, That's okay. annoying, <laughs> I'm joined by Alex Scott, former England and Arsenal defender. Hi, Alex. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We are about to go into a Women's World Cup this summer. How are you feeling about England's chances? Oh, it mixes that excitement, but I'm actually nervous. I think I'm nervous because it's like, for me, now I'm not a player, I have no control of mm -hmm. being in the team or saying stuff in terms of the leader aspect. It's like I'm on the outside, but I'm kind of not. So that's why it goes between the excitement. Oh my gosh, the World Cup is going to be huge. The amount of people that are going to be watching it. But yeah, then I'm nervous. The level of expectation is going to be so much higher than it was at the last World Cup because obviously so many more people are interested now in women's football, particularly the England team because we've had some great results recently. With that sort of raised expectation in mind, do you think the team can use that to their advantage or is that a hindrance? No, you've got to use it to your advantage. I think it's a mindset. You've got to go out there and just think that this is what you've trained for. 
since you started playing football for me I started playing when I was eight so to get on the biggest stage all eyes are on you it's about you showing up embrace it it's your moment to go out there and shine so why look at the negative and put all this added pressure on you oh I need to perform I need to do this like you're out there because you love playing football you're representing your country smile and just go play so there's some pretty solid household names in the Lionesses squad now but are there any sort of lesser known players we should be looking out for this summer uh yes I think when I look at the team Kira Walsh I think could have a huge impact on the team and really announce herself on the world stage a young player in midfield I know Nikita Paris has had a great season at City and she's becoming that name but this would actually be her first world cup so to take that level, yeah, onto a World Cup, she was part of our team in the Euros, but she hasn't played in a World Cup. As a starting player, she's only become an England starting player over this course of this year. So it's going to be a huge tournament for her, and we just hope she carries that momentum, what she has done this season, into the tournament. Yeah, it's mad because I kind of forget. I feel like she's been around so long, yeah. I sort of forget that uh-huh. she hasn't. That's interesting. Okay, so you spent a bit of time playing in the States. The US are going to be like pretty strong competitor yeah. in terms of uh, the World Cup in the summer. What do you think we can learn from their domestic structure? Because it's quite well developed, isn't it? But are we sort of there now? There's a lot of investment that's recently been announced. I would absolutely flip that and say our league at the moment, the WSL, is stronger than the American League. When you look at the players that we have, top talent from all around Europe coming into the WSL. When you look at City, Chelsea progressing in Champions League, now Arsenal are back in next season. It's very different to when we had to leave, when I did. When did I go over there? 2008. Because we weren't professional here. We were still at semi-pro level. The investment wasn't there. But now every club has everything they need in terms of backing, support. And that's why people are coming here. The USA are strong in terms of the national team. I would say they've always had that backing and that funding. And their mentality is something that always gets them across the line. But domestically, I would 100% say our league is stronger at the moment and only going to get stronger. I think they have greater sort of numbers going to actually watch the games than we do. I think they always have done because obviously their league, well, it started around the same time as the men's league, didn't it? Whereas obviously there's like a 50 year lag. In, in there were times when I was playing in Boston and we'd get 10,000 turn up. Our base was at Harvard. But I think when you look at it now, we had the Women's Cup final on the weekend and we get what, over 50,000 turn up to Wembley. When you look at the game last week that was Arsenal at the Amex there was over 5,000 and so that's where I'm like we're kind of people still have this perception of the USA and it being here but what the investment and everything we have going on right now like we're very much on par domestically and I would say when you look at our England games we're getting 10,000 turn up to the last Lionesses game so it's getting there. So how do we get more bums on seats? I think at the moment it's that continued progression. I think what we're seeing with the Women's World Cup will be great because there is now a lot of commercial value, brands wanting to get involved. Women's football is becoming more visible. That's been the difference. Over the past years, yes, we've spoken about it, but it's still not been visible. Now young girls can see a Lucy Bronze on a front cover, me sitting on BBC alongside male pundits, and it's very much you know, giving it a different credibility. People want to be more invested in women's football.
as you just said, you know, young girls can see you being a pundit on the BBC and various other places. You're one of a growing number of female players to sort of cross fairly successfully into the punditry on the men's side as well. And occasionally, you know, people can be idiots about things like that. Uh, hopefully not too much. But how important do you think it is to present a sort of wide range of perspectives on on men's sport as well? For me, football's football. So I'm sitting there and I'm analysing a game whether I'm analysing and it's women's football I'm doing the WSL or I'm sitting in a match of the day studio and it's Arsenal men playing. I am commentating on what I see, not a difference. The tactics, the formations, breaking it down, what players doing what. And I think as long as I continue to do that and be true to myself, then it's not seen as any different for me. I think we've got to a time now where we're talking about not just in sport, I think in life that, you know, every company needs to be looking at itself and are we being diverse? Are we getting different opinions? But I'm always for the thing that I never want to be just ticking a box. Am I still the right person for the job? And I think that's what still matters. And I think as long as there's an application process that, yes, everyone is looked at and viewed in an equal measure, then it comes down to who is the best person. Thank you so much for listening to this World Cup special. I promised you an announcement and an announcement you shall have. But before I do that... I should just mention, I interviewed Alex before the FA Cup final took place and she does make reference to a crowd of 50,000, which is what it was at the time projected as before the Premier League sort of cocked it all up. But anyway, that's a different story. Thank you very much to all of the guests on today's podcast. I enjoyed chatting to all of them, as I'm sure you could tell. As you know, at Standard Issue, we have loads of gigs all the time. Our next one is on June the 8th at the Underbelly Festival and we've got Jane Horrocks and just announced Sarah Barron who will be joining us for that and that is going to be awesome. The very next day, you may have seen that I tweeted recently about how it's a bit rubbish that I don't necessarily always feel like I can go to the pub and watch the football by myself as a woman because I just get a bit intimidated. That's probably on me, to be fair, but, you know, I know I'm aware that other people feel the same way. So I've decided to put on a bit of a World Cup viewing party shindig for you all to come along to. It's going to be at Buster Mantis in Deptford and we are going to be joined by a whole host of awesome people who'll be nattering about football and just like funny stuff in general. So come along and watch Brazil v Jamaica, England v Scotland and some really, really awesome people having a chat about football. Me, ofs, football journalist Kelly Wells and Sarah Pascoe and Jess Fosterkew. What? I know. It's going to be absolutely awesome and we are going to have a freaking amazing day. And do you know what the best thing is? It's all free, guys. We just want you to come and watch the football and have a laugh and know that no one's going to explain the offside rule to you unless you want them to, in which case, you know, feel free to ask. And no one's going to pat your ass. We'll put more information out on our social channels over the next week or so. But otherwise, yeah, look forward to seeing you there. Standard Issue for all women.